Trey Mills. I hate rap fans podcast. And before we even get into it, let's get into the disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed on the I Hate Rap Fans podcast do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of you. Dance music loving, TikTok trend following, non-hip hop knowing clowns who wouldn't know good music if you walked into a studio and recorded an album ghostwritten by Big Daddy Kane, executive produced by God with production from Dr. Dre, Quincy Jones, Prince and the Bomb Squad with features from Jesus, Tupac, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, and Dizzy Gillespie. This podcast is not for you. Please, turn it off. Find something else to listen to. Thank you. All right, now that we got that out the way, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing? I am your illustrious host, Trey Mills, a.k.a. the ringleader, the shit stirrer, the guy who plays too much, Lawrence G., Mike Rockwell, all of the above. Y'all know what it is. How we doing? How we doing today? Glad you are tuning in. Uh, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Apple. I'm on Spotify. Please, please, please. Um, actually, you'll find the um, I Hate Rap Fans podcast if you go to any of the other social, not social uh, sites, but if you go to the other streaming services like Apple or, uh, you know, Spotify, any ones like that, uh, you'll actually find this podcast up under the grown-ass man hip-hop show feed. Eventually, I will kind of pivot off and put it on another feed, but right now, that's what we're working. And I'm solo dolo on YouTube uh, under Trey Mills. Just look it up, and you'll find everything I got going on right there. Please hit that like button. Get me in the Al Gore rhythm. I don't know if Al Gore's got rhythm to get me in there. Please. Thank you very, very much. Ah, uh, I got asked, how y'all doing today? I got y'all coffee. I got mine. Sipping. Finna get into it. Let's go ahead and set the table. Today's topic. Black people. Number one draft pick for racism. And this comes off the back of uh, all the controversy that went on last week with Whoopi Goldberg and her comments in regards to the Holocaust. And y'all know I'm a thinking nigga. I be thinking, right? I be thinking. Are we, as American blacks, some people would call us foundational blacks, uh, are we... blind to other races and minority groups are we blind to their struggle because um basically what Whoopi Goldberg said in front of them, them white people and the Jewish people and the networks and the rest of the nation was uh yeah the holocaust wasn't white folks shit I think that that statement it was very 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 short-sighted ignorant uh, I, I believe she misspoke, and she really spoke from the black, again, the American, the black American, the foundational black aspect. Uh, but we'll get into that. Um, question. 
as y'all know, I told y'all on the last episode, I'm still dealing with this ungrateful person, this ungrateful element that's in my house. Like I said, when I'm trying to do something, he trying to do something else, always in the way, just dumb, inconvenient. And I want to take y'all a little bit deeper into that story, man. Um, Have you ever had someone in your life whose life you literally saved and they start to turn on you? You saved somebody's life. You snatched them from the clutches of death. Without you, they would not exist. And them ungrateful bastards. <laughs> you know, they living now. They lit. It's on now. They living. And, and they don't even have any regard for you or your space or, or your house rules or anything. They just, they just, niggas forgot they was finna die. She went out of your way to save them. I don't know. I'm just rambling. Um. Yeah, that's the second uh, uh, question on the table. Uh, you saved the nigga's life, and now they acting funny with you. I think I'm just going to have to deal with this situation, man. I think I'm just going to, I don't think there's nothing I can do. Like I said, if I lay hands, it's going to make me look absolutely nuts. It's going to make me look crazy as hell. If I put hands on this thing, on this person it's it, it, if i just lay hands it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna make me look really bad so it's just gonna be one of the situations i'm just gonna have to just 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 eat because he's just ungrateful entitled think he's supposed to have shit his way nigga forgot where he came from nigga you was on death row nigga nigga you was finna be out of here you was finna go meet your maker and i'll be damned if now that you ain't met your maker, i should let you meet your damn maker Yeah, man, you know, just asking a question, just posing a question, man. If y'all got anything to say about that, put it in the comments, let me know, let me know. <sighs> On to my main point, black people, I want to ask you a very serious question. I want to talk to us. I want to really, really get into our mind state and our experiences here in America. And once again, it's kind of you know, kind of piggybacking off of Whoopi Goldberg's very short-sighted, ignorant, crazy. I mean, bro, they ignorant for so many reasons. Dumb on so many reasons. Because, like, you're on national TV, ma'am. You're on the national tap. This, that's, actually, you know what that was? That's, that's what old people like to call kitchen table talk. That's a conversation you don't have in front of company. And y'all know what I mean by company. And you damn sure don't have that conversation the way she worded that on national television. There's a time to be reckless. There's a time to say what the fuck you want to say. There's a time to not be politically correct. And that time is at your kitchen table. You know. Nowadays, you know, I got a Gen Z daughter. So, like, you know, them conversations get cut short in my house. They're not as fun as they used to be. You know, the home used to be a place for pure D ignorance. My father used to have awful conversations and he still does he says what the hell he wants to but everybody i mean older people not my dad damn near 85 if not 85 the nigga's pushing 90 dog he, you know he nigga pushing 90 and the conversations that they used to have we you know we're not in that space where like i said the kitchen table didn't even change the kitchen table the living room you know those were the places where you really got crazy with the shit you said 
And and either it came with a level of understanding or, you know, you just let them old motherfuckers talk and the young people corner off to themselves and say, yeah, my grandma said that, that shit crazy. We, yeah, we don't let her say that shit no more. That's what that was. That was an old ass lady who was having kitchen table talk. She got comfortable. She was having kitchen table talk in front of the damn world. But I want to dig a little bit deeper into what she said. I want to go a little bit deeper in the, into that. I just want to ask the question. I got a, a few questions I want to ask, a, a few points I want to make. And I just want to just, I just want to pose these questions to you. As black people, are we blind to the struggle of others? As African Americans, Americans, Black Americans, foundational Black Americans, FB, whatever, whatever you want to call us, whatever it is, because we are the number one draft pick for racism. Like in America, nobody likes the Black man. You know, nobody likes the Black man. You know, and, and, and oh my God, the Black woman. Oh, oh my God. Oh, we all stand on the backs of Black women, and they just. Bless their soul, bless their hearts. They just keep working with our dumb asses. They just keep on trying to make it work with our dumb asses. They just, ah, man, they push the votes in the right direction. They, 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 they come to the prisons. They take care of our badass kids. They, 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 they go to college. They get education. They put money on niggas' books. Oh my God, the black woman. Thank you, black woman, for all that you do. Putting up with the bullshit, you coming in regulating, you know, shutting shit down, you know what I'm saying? But man, you know, don't you know? In America, the black experience is it, it can feel very much like there's us and then there's them. That is until a nigga get on stage and start entertaining or telling jokes or doing something. Then you know, we all get the OJ complex, you know. We all forget we black or, or they make us forget we're black for a time or they forget we're black. I don't know who forgets, but, you know, we all turn into orange juice. And so, you know, I was just, you know, racism is so embedded in our culture that I often wonder if we truly eradicated racism. Because so much of our culture, so much of our conversation, so much of our art, so much of our literature, so much of our perspective is slanted against how we're treated in this country. I mean, you take it back to Richard Pryor and certain jokes. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, all of that stuff is based off of the African-American experience. You take uh, songs like uh, uh, Fuck the Police by N.W.A. and uh, Fight the Power by Chuck D. and We Gonna Be All Right with Kendrick Lamar. And, and, you know, I mean, honestly and truthfully, even going back to our topic on Monday with drill music, that's really based off of the black experience for good, bad, or ugly. You know, I think Common said that, you know, the streets reflect, uh, I can't say it exactly, I can't remember the bar, but basically he said whatever the streets is doing, hip-hop is doing. And whatever hip-hop is doing, it's a reflection of black culture. And part of our experience in this country is struggle. And so... I just often wonder if we were truly to eradicate racism, and this is a big ass what if, probably a dumbass hypothetical question, but what does our culture look like without racism? We we stack the whole we stack so many things on the way we're treated 
and build off of that. You know, we all grew up. I don't know. I don't know how they raise kids now. I know I raised mine the way that I was raised. I was raised that you just can't be good. You got to be twice as good. You can't work hard. You got to work twice as hard because the opportunities are you got to work twice as hard to get half as far. And it's sad that half as far for us <laughs> is good. But it's still half as far as other races can get, other minority groups can get. You know, and I just, like I said, I often pose that question to myself. What do we, what, what do the entertainers, what do the comedians, the rappers, what, what are those subject matters slanted against if, and it's a big ass if, we'll probably never get rid of it because uh, we, you know, human beings are fucking ignorant. If racism was eradicated. Honestly and truthfully, they say at by 2042, um, <laughs> most niggas going to be beige anyway. I remember there was either a Time magazine article or there was a, a People article, and they had this brown-skinned, light, hazel-eyed girl on the cover, and she was biracial. And, you know, we're, they say that America is getting browner and browner. And that eventually, you know, we could possibly all, you know, niggas all going to be, you know, biracial, high, high yellow and light skin. And I even think in a situation like that, we'll find something to argue about. You know, we're, we're, human beings, our, our need to thrive, survive, create, innovate, and keep shit going. Keep the bullshit alive is what we thrive on. And so do we do we even see past our own struggles? Do we even see past the shit that we go through in America? Because we go through a lot of shit in the police brutality, real I mean the system here, much like the system in Africa, it's it was it, it's designed a certain kind of way to keep a certain people down. And honestly and truthfully, I, I used to say black people, but honestly and truthfully, the way this system is designed, if these a certain group of people just don't agree with the shit you own, they got a system to hold you back to. And, um, you know, I just, just wanted to know, you know, do we see past our own struggles? Do we look at, I have my own experience with the uh, Stop Asian Hate thing. I'm really, honestly and truthfully, I don't know if anybody's ever spoken about it, um, but I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to just put my nuts on the table and take the risk. I'm so, what's the, what's the, what's, what's a good phrase to use? Double-minded, two-handed about this whole, about the whole stop Asian hate thing. Because I grew up in the neighborhood. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do it to you like this. Everybody remember the scene from Minister Society? Old dog walks into the store. Now you know the niggas up to no good. You know that that was the whole point. Niggas, it's old dog. Niggas was up to no good. But you walk, they walk. He walks into the store. They looking at him funny. They thinking he finna shoplift or do something stupid. And old dog dumbass might have walked out of that store without doing nothing stupid. He just, you know, we 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 carry black men carry a certain level of fear, and we will sometimes we wield that shit unknowingly. Like, we, I don't know if we look aggressive or we just, I don't know, because I'm a black man. I can't, I cannot speak to the experiences that others 
feel when they get around me. But I'm going to tell you like this. I don't know if you've ever seen my face. I'm a nerdy-looking-ass black man with a big-ass beard and some fucking glasses. I don't know how I look to people, but I'm black. So if you watch enough cops and enough news, you might be scared of all of us. So let's let's if we dig into that scene, yeah. We dig into that scene, yeah. There was just his presence. Probably could have made that lady nervous. Uh but what what in my mind when I look back at that scene and I've seen that scene a few times now. Um I have a confession for you. I didn't see Minister Society until I was grown. My wife put me on it. I just one of the movies I just never really got around to seeing, and now that I've seen it, I've watched it. I think I've caught up in the last thirty years. Just come out, but every time I see that scene, it just speaks to me on many different levels. If that lady had not said to O Dog, "I feel sorry for your mother," would he have done that shit? Because we're talking about a young black man, and any not just young black man, it's just young kids teenage boy young dumbass teenage boys play too much do too fucking much and even if old dog knew i'm scaring the shit out of this lady i ain't gonna finna do shit that remember being a young man and doing the dumb shit that i did there's certain satisfaction and you know you can fuck with somebody and you don't and there's satisfaction in knowing like i could fuck with you but i'm a better person you being scared of me is good enough i'll see you tomorrow but the question is do you think that lady would have said that if old dog would have walked out and i said all that to say this our perspective our, our, the way we're viewed in this world and the way we're treated in this world as African Americans put up against the stop Asian hate thing, and I really want to be sensitive when I say this because I don't want to sound crazy. When I was growing up, uh, I grew up in Detroit, and anybody from Detroit knows that probably eh, around the 60s, 70s, 80s, definitely into the 90s, uh, black business owners in the name of equality, in the name of equity in the name of personal uh, growth and finance and integration uh, sold their businesses to other minorities, white people, and those black staples in the community were not there anymore. Black people know how to deal with black people. Oh, darling, if he done went into a black store, maybe the store owner, let's just call him Mr. Uh, Mr. Johnson would have said, oh, uh, uh, whatever, oh, let's just say our dog's name was Orlando. Orlando, if you don't get your black ass out of here with that bullshit, is you finna buy something? You know, black people know how to talk to each other. We're going to give respect because what we, as black people, what we lack in finance, we tend to barter with respect on the other end. Respect is a very big thing in the black community. It's, it's, it was something that we did not have for a very long time. So we're very hard on each other in terms of respect. Going back to the whole black Asian, I mean, uh, stop Asian hate. When these other people from these other communities came into the community that I lived in, my friends lived in, my mother lived in, my black family and friends lived in, they came into these communities to get money. It was like, okay, get your money. But cultures were very different. I'm not, you know... In certain Asian cultures, to hand you money in your hand is a sign of disrespect. 
So they would take your money, slide it across the table. Because if you think about it, 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 money is dirty. You know what I'm saying? So I get it. Money is dirty. It's not something that you, I get that. I don't really know the ins and outs, but I do know that in certain cultures, to hand money into somebody's hand, it's, it's a sign of disrespect. But if you only have a black American perspective and you don't know that, somebody you put the money in somebody's hand you walk in you buy a pack of cigarettes bag of chips and you put the money in that person's hand and they take the money and they give you your change back and they slide it across that table or that counter and they don't put the money back in your hand from the person inside the community that's been there it looks like a sign of disrespect because it harkens back to when white people didn't want to touch niggas because we were seen as unclean and dirty. It harkens back to public pools when they would run black people off of the public pools because they thought the black was going to wash off. And so my issue with Stop the Asian Hate is very, very, like I said, it's two-handed. It's very double-sided. I stand with Anybody that's being, because at the end of the day, it's kind of dumb. Like, we can't break off into these minority groups and and experience our own individual forms of hate, discrimination, uh, supremacy, and, 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 and not come together to, because we're stronger in numbers. And we're stronger when we come together and we stand up against all of these uh, principalities and, and things that, want to tear us apart so it's very dumb for us to stand separate and think we finna fight anything because it ain't enough niggas in the world we only 13 percent of the population it ain't enough niggas in the world to, to fight this battle the problem with us is that we think that because you know we're in you know black dense areas that you know it's more of us than it is more of them yeah nigga in compton in detroit in chicago in houston in Bronx, in the Bronx, and and Brooklyn, yeah, it's more of them. It's more of us than it is them there. But once you spread out, bro, everybody's everywhere. It's more, bro. Ah, it, we ain't, we we ain't we ain't, we ain't think as we think we are. When thirteen percent of the population ain't that big. So again, when you when you go into these communities, and these people have preconceived notions of what you are. But yet they're coming to your community to get money, your money. And, and you get accused of shoplifting and you get accused of criminality and they talk to you crazy. And some of this is definitely cultural differences. It's it, it, it all really boils from a lack of understanding and ain't nobody got the time to just, you know... Hey, you know, accept or understand or just let some shit go and just move on. But when you come into another community and you treat people a certain kind of way, and then those same people turn around and they start to receive the same treatment that you've been getting, and they never said anything, or they were, they, they called the police, they witnessed you get beat. They witnessed you get shot, and, and, and to a certain degree, maybe they were right. Maybe you was doing some shit you ain't had no business doing. 
But when it got too far, they didn't stop and say, whoa, 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 I just wanted him out of my store. Whoa, 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 I just didn't want him to shoplift. Whoa, whoa, you're doing too much. And you stand by and you allow those things. And now when it's it's like when it's your turn for the white supremacist ass whoopings to come, when it's your turn to experience what black people have been experiencing since our uh, story began in this country, and you and now you look to us and say, "Hey, we need your help." You, black people can't help but think back and, <laughs> nigga, I re- I remember when you wasn't fucking with us. I remember when you didn't even want to touch me, and I was giving you my money. I remember when you said, "I feel sorry for your mother." I remember, I remember all of those things. So that's it's so, and I grew up in those situations where. You know, Arab men talk to you crazy when you go in the store, watching you like a hawk, thinking you finna steal something, hurrying you out the store because they're afraid some dumb shit finna go down, and you ain't even the one. So it's 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 really, and I think most black people feel this way. I'm not going to speak for all black people, but I know that I feel this way. That when you come from a certain community and you've experienced a certain kind of hate, and now that hate is shifted to you. It's like, what you, wait a minute, didn't nobody help us? Didn't nobody, what do you mean? That's not the way to be. But I can understand a lot of black people, especially older black people, and, and maybe even people my age, I can understand that resistance to jump up and say. But, the, but then you have to look beyond that, and you really do have to go generation to generation. And you really do have to look and say, first, that is a, uh, a symptom of white supremacy. Um, you know, white is the standard in this country. And, you know, white is, you know, we, we people tend to think that white is peaceful. White is better. White is richer. White is calmer. White is quieter. White is uh, it handles itself a certain kind of way, and that's not necessarily the case. Cause I grew up with some crazy ass white boys. Most of the trouble I got into was with some crazy ass white boys. Wanna know the truth? Um, I got into some trouble with some niggas too, but it's a different kind of trouble with some crazy ass white boys. Cause you kind of know, huh? If I could just shut up long enough, I might get away with this dumb shit. I think that's kind of where we stand. That's just one aspect of how black people look at other struggles specifically to stop Asian hate and I think that we you you really have to look at that in a generational thing and say that may have been the perspective of this person's grandparents it may be the perspective of my grandparents or my parents but when it trickles down to us like the cycle got to break some damn way you know what I'm saying like because it really pisses me off when I see black people be racist to other minority groups like it really fucking pissed me off to uh, to see black men jumping asian women bruh like you know black people we are and we are not a monolith like we we an individual every black person is individual with their own mind and thoughts until we see a nigga on tv doing some dumb shit ah you making us look bad and it's 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 that's how I felt as I saw young black men attacking Asian people. Because we expect that shit from white people. I expect the ignorant-ass white guy, to, you know, in the name of Trump and uh, uh, anti-vaccines 
to go and attack an, an Asian person, not even a Chinese person, a, a Japanese or, or, or Korean or Vietnamese person, because your dumbass just don't know. I expect that shit. I expect that, but it really hurts my heart when I see black people do it. It hurts my heart because we are the number one draft pick for racism and inequality in this country. If they're going to do it to anybody, they're going to do it to us first. So, you know, at some point, you really got to get off of what grandma and grandpa did. And you really have to stand on your own and say, yeah, stop aging. Hey, because like if they do it to them, they do it to us. As a matter of fact, they have done it to us. And let's show you how you get around. And it's all because America's getting browner and browner and browner. And with that comes this fear that they're going to lose something. And I'm like, first of all, if you're poor in America, you ain't had shit no damn way. We all in the same boat. And so, like I said, it really just, it just, it just irritates me. It just gets my gall, as, as I've heard my mama say, uh, to see black people who have experience in this world who have this experience in America, unlike anybody else, to do dirty to other to do dirty to other minority groups. That shit does not make sense. And so I said all that to say this. Whoopi Goldberg and what she said on the view. And I got a clip. We're gonna go ahead and play the clip. And let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. Okay, I'm gonna give you that. Yeah, it was about man's inhumanity to man. But can we name that inhumanity, man? It's called racism. Hitler literally was trying to build a super race. He was trying to eradicate races that he thought were below him. That's the whole point of white supremacy. White supremacy, white supremacy really literally is the ultimate inferiority complex. It is, I am going to get rid of of everyone I think is below me so that I can be top of the heap. And it's a lot of people in this world that are going through shit that don't necessarily look like black folks. But again, that's the black American experience. And even to speak to that, um, she went on Colbert and tried to clean that shit up. And then here's what she said on Colbert. The American experience tends to be based on skin. Yes. And so that is what race means to me. Mm -hmm. When you talk about uh, being a racist, I was saying you can't call this racism. This was evil. Mm -hmm. this, wasn't, this wasn't based on the skin. You couldn't tell who was Jewish. Mm -hmm. They had to delve deeply to figure it out. So basically, if you listen to what she said, she said the Holocaust was white folk shit. Okay, on the surface... Everybody looks the same. Everybody looks. She said that they, you, you had to dig to find out who was Jewish. Ma'am, not only did they dig to find out who the Jews were, they gave them tags and markers and put them in. See, the word ghetto is not an American word. See, this is why I hate that, like, we use words like ghetto and then immediately associated with black people. The word ghetto is actually, it's either German or Jewish. 
I'll make a correction on the next show. I'll be more specific on the next show. It's either German or Jewish. And it, it, it literally, like, Jewish people were the first ghettos. They would, they would take these Jewish people and they would put them in this one area. See, this shit ain't new. And that's why I have an issue with the word hood. Because if you know your history and you know your slang, you know that the word hood, H-O-O-D, comes from neighborhood. So the hood just isn't any side of town. It ain't the black side of town. It ain't the side of town where they deal the dope. And it ain't the side of town where the niggas stay and where the, the drill rappers get shot and, and where the dumb shit goes on. No, the hood, anybody can live in the hood. The, net, the, the suburbs can be the hood. It's where you come from. It's an association to the people that you grew up with. The word homie, homeboy, that means a person that grew up in my neighborhood. So, AKA, when you hear a black person, yeah, that, that, that homie from the hood. That nigga from the hood. That nigga from around the way. That means that he's from my area. That guy is from my area. So, any neighborhood can be a hood. That's why we need to stop associating blackness with negativity and criminality. Because, like I said, they put the Jewish people in ghettos they quarantined them off to them and we are all familiar with what the word quarantine means in these days and times they quarantined these people off to themselves they gave them uh, badges and, 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 and things to put on their arms so that they could be recognized in public see the thing about white supremacy is if they want to dig deep it's the same thing that's going on now with all these uh, these voter laws if these fools want to dig deep to put you down Oh, they're going to dig deep. No doubt about it. They're going to dig deep. And so for, and see, and that's why I was, that, and that's what brought on this whole conversation was the fact that she said that in America, racism is based off of skin color. And it is. It is because you can be any kind of, you can be a Kardashian and you're exotic. Like, Nigga, uh, Kardashians ain't nothing but half of niggas. I don't care what none of y'all say. They got fat asses, and 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 uh, they're they're uh, Arabian or Armenian half niggas. That's really what they are. And they love black culture. They love black men, but they get the pass because oh, she's exotic. Certain Hispanic people who look white but speak Spanish got fat asses and know how to cook some good ass food. Oh, she's exotic. She's beautiful. But, you know, black people who really are exotic, black people who really do have a very distinct look, there's no, nobody else looks like us. Our hair is different. Our skin tone is different. Like, nobody else looks like us. And they know it. And immediately they go, he different. Kill him. But other races get the benefit of being they get the they get the benefit of of being white and white adjacent. And there's benefits to whiteness. Let's not act like it. Let's not let's not act like there ain't no damn benefits. I don't know what those benefits are because I'm a Negro. Never gonna see those benefits. When I walk into the room, they looking at me saying, Oh, okay. No, this is folks get fucked up off of me just because of the way I talk. I have been called articulate so many damn times. It's insulting. Oh, you're so articulate. Like, what am I supposed to be? I can't. My culture came up with rock, rap, jazz, blues. What the fuck you mean articulate? We've been knowing how to talk. 
We've been knowing how to communicate. And so that's 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 the question that I was, you know, posing in the conversation that I'm having in a nutshell. Is the black experience. Because my question to Whoopi Goldberg is if the Holocaust is some white people shit, then what is slavery? Because the same people that, the same mind state, the same mentality, the same approach that they use to put people, to put six million Jews in the Holocaust, to try to eradicate a whole damn group of people, that's the same mind state that centuries before that, because the Holocaust was just 70 years ago. Don't get it fucked up. I keep telling y'all, I got parents that's in their 70s and 80s. The Holocaust was just 70 years ago. The civil rights struggle. Martin Luther King died in 1964. Nigga, they had color TV in 1964. Don't let them mind fuck you with these black and white pictures. Oh, it was so long ago. No, nigga, 1964, 65. 1964 was the uh, civil, when they signed the Civil Rights Act. My brother was born in 1969 at the end of the Vietnam War. How come all of that shit is in color? And all the footage that you see from the Vietnam War is in color. Why is it that every time you look at uh, the March on Washington or the I Have a Dream speech, it's in black and white? Because they want you to think, oh, it was so long ago. Nah, nigga, Martin Luther King wasn't around with I Love Lucy. <laughs> that was a little bit before, that was at the beginning of TV, nigga. We had figured out color TV by then. Hell, I think by then, even if Lucy was on TV, she was in color. This wasn't that long ago. My brother would have been 53 this year. 53. 53. So we're not talking about no way, way back, some shit. Like, you know, this is pretty recent. So if the Holocaust was white people shit, because that's basically what she said, it was white people shit. What was slavery? Some black people shit? No, ma'am. It's all works from the same system. It's all built from the same system. It's all about white supremacy. But what we're doing is we're too busy playing uh, political hand jive to even get past these conversations and even have a real conversation about this. You know, and that's why I hate that it went there and, and moved on. Because the initial conversation got overshadowed by that controversial shit. But see, that's the game that they play. That's what they're doing with Joe Rogan right now. And I'm not standing up and, and, and trumping for Joe Rogan. I don't know if I should have said Trump, but I'm not standing for Joe Rogan. And none of that shit. But see, it's like we all get caught up in that political hand job. They love it. Oh, well, what a shit. Oh, where's that? Oh, we, 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 we was talking about this, but not about that. And things get stomped down. The initial conversation was about censorship the initial conversation was about critical race theory it was about a book that they banned in florida and because this is a music podcast i want to i want to dig deep into that because in the name of white sensitivity because they white sensitivity and protecting our children not letting white people feel bad the reason that they don't want white people to feel bad and the reason why they don't want they don't want certain things taught in school is because you have to think about it man my mama my daddy my dad was born in 1937 my mom was born in 1944 you don't think them people 
their grandparents. You don't great grandparents. You don't think that they saw some shit as far as race in their life. So what about these white people that if my mother was experiencing a certain level of racism in her life, who's inflicting the pain? Because these people ain't dead. Crunk <laughs> ain't dead, crunk ain't dead, crunk ain't dead. Y'all, this shit ain't dead. A lot of these people are not dead. They are here and they're living. And really what it is, is they're using these shell game conversations as a way to expunge their actions from the history books. Because a lot of these white folks just got woke. They just realized, oh, you mean to tell me what we was doing was wrong? You mean to tell me I shouldn't have been at that lynching as a five-year-old? And so, like I said, because this is a musical podcast, I want to talk about what the actual point was that got overshadowed by the Holocaust statement. And we got to bring it back to music and we got to bring it back to art. If these people are in the name of white sensitivity and white fragility and, and, and white and, 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 and want to keep the white man image so speak, squeaky clean. If they're trying to take these books out of school, why come you want to take a book like the mouse out of school? You want to take books, just pick it, Google, Google. Every damn day there's another article, there's another news story about them taking LGBTQ books out of schools, classic literature out of schools, this book, that book, the whole 1619 program thing out of schools. They're trying to keep these things out of school because they say it makes white people, it makes our white children feel bad. Really? Ma'am, your white children listen to Waka Flocka Flame. Jay-Z, drill music, all kind of hip-hop. Your little white children don't feel bad. They are so used to the word nigga, I guarantee you. See, when you were saying nigga, you were saying it with off. You meant something bad. They saying nigga for entertainment. So you really have to dig deep into it and say, if they will start to censor those things, why aren't they censoring the black image? Why aren't they censoring why aren't they censoring things like the murders that happened in, I hate to say it like this, but the drill music in Chicago, the drill music in New York, the Bloods and Crips. Why are why they not censoring that? Why are they not having a broad, why are they not saying, well, we, we don't need to have this kind of music on the radio stations because I don't want my children to think black murder is fine. Think about it. See, black murder is fine because it takes the, the viewpoint off of them because see black on black violence is a very good scapegoat you can just say them niggas violent anyway black on black violence bang bang shoot them up it's black on black violence nobody cares if one nigga shoot another nigga guess what that's two niggas out the way I'm gonna say that again if one nigga shoots another nigga that's two niggas out of the way one nigga going to jail one nigga going to the grave Put them niggas with the rest of the niggas and take them niggas and put them in the dirt. Good job. Wash thy hands with that. But see, the moment you start to talk about history, recent history, systematic history that still is present and still has its claws in our culture to this day, you got to start looking at me, mom, people. And now the little white children, they start to ask, well, Grandma and Grandpa, why is it that? Did you spit on them little? Did 
Did you know somebody who spit on those little kids who were just trying to go to school? Did you hit somebody who was trying to protest at a lunch counter? Why they why they couldn't go to the lunch counter? What was that about? Did you stand by and watch a black man get beat? Because see, this Gen Z generation, they ain't bullshitting. They canceling your ass. They getting rid of your ass. They standing up for something. My daughter, my oldest daughter is Gen Z. When I tell you in my house, you can't get away with shit. I thrive on being an ignorant ass person. I thrive. I have fun saying the wrong shit. I know better. I absolutely know better. But I, like most of my friends, you know, we old heads. We talk a certain kind of way. And that shit, we just, it, it just come out. We don't mean no harm. It just come out the way it come out. And she's taught me a lot of lessons. I've had to straighten up my conversation. I've also told her, yeah, you ain't gonna change me. Baby, I grew up in the 90s. It was a lot rough, but you ain't gonna change me. But but each one of my friends also grew up with a certain level of sensitivity and understanding. We just ain't ignorant to be ignorant. But this Gen Z generation ain't gonna let you get rid of it. And them Gen Z, see, I think about it. My daughter's 19. Her grandma, my mama... 74, 75, her granddaddy is 85. So let's take that same situation and just paint me white. So now that my daddy, instead of my daddy telling stories about what was done to him in Alabama, instead of my mama talking about the 1964 riots in Detroit, you flip that narrative and you take it to the other side of the street. Granddaddy, why did you do that black man like that? Grandma? Why didn't you stand up and say something when it happened? See, that's the shit they don't want to deal with because they know they was in the wrong. That's the real shit right there. They don't want to they don't want to hear that what they did wasn't right. It never was right, but see when you got people going along with the get along at one time in this point, see racism is so embedded in America. That at one time, you could do niggas dirty and the, the white man next to you give you a high five. God damn right, put that nigger in his place. We've made a little progress and it's not socially acceptable to be a bigot. It's not socially acceptable to be racist anymore. It's not socially accepted to be a clan member anymore. But see them people getting old and they want to expunge themselves of all responsibility and they want to erase history and they want the shit to be like leave it to beaver. Why is it that white kids they get they get all the protection in the world against history. Actual facts. It ain't no fake news and none of the shit that happened. It's real. It's real. They get protect. They're trying to protect them against stories of the Holocaust, about the real, about racism, about slavery, about they try to they try to protect these children about all of these things. But they can bump all the nigger music they want to. You ain't protecting them against that. Let me tell you why, because our history is their entertainment. Our struggle is their entertainment because, once again, they can always come from the suburbs to the hood and see the niggas in the zoo. See, the safest thing about watching niggas in the zoo like, is, is the fact that there's a barrier. There's a difference between going to the zoo and going to a safari. See, when you go into a safari, you got a little protection. You might be in a Jeep, you riding. Damn lions start hunting you down. You can hit the gas and maybe he won't catch up with you. 
in the zoo, got a barrier of protection. You can get right up to the zoo animals and, and you can get right up to that tiger. He may show his teeth, he may scratch, but that damn that 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 uh that window is thick. That's entertaining to get that close to some dangerous shit and nothing happens to you. That's that's how white people see all of this ghetto nigga shit that we do. That's what hip hop is to them. That's what a lot of outside cultures are to them. Not knowing that they really not not understanding that them being voyeuristic in their entertainment affects the ecosystem in that particular area. Should that tiger really be in that cage? Hmm. That's called subtext. I need y'all to come on, follow me now. For those in the back. Should that family really be in the ghetto? Should that man's father really be in jail? Should that should that child's mother really have to work two jobs? Who's who's taking care of this kid? Why is this kid raising himself? Not only why is this kid raising himself, why is he deemed with the responsibility of raising three other individuals? Who's raising who? It's the blind leading the blind because mama ain't got time. Daddy doing time. See, that's the bigger conversation. You know, I did, you know, I'll tell y'all straight up, I'm a dumb nigga. Straight up and down, you know. I flunked 2nd, 7th, and 12th grade. I got my GED in 2013. I ain't the highest grade of uh, weed in the dispensary. I ain't the sharpest knife in the shelf. I ain't the sweetest cookie in the daggum cookie jar. But I ain't a dumb motherfucker either. So I did go to college. I got my GED. I went to college. University of Montevallo. I was taking an English class, right? And the teacher, white lady, we're talking about Malcolm X, and she starts to hand out these assignments. I do not remember what the assignment was. She's handing out them papers, right? And we get in our assignment, and we finna do this story, and it's something about Malcolm X. Now, mind you, I'm in my fucking late 30s in college. This child behind me is a white boy, freshman, Nigga still got pimples on his face. All of maybe 17, 18 years old. He said something that blew my mind. The words that 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 that, that fell out of this boy's mouth, they I never heard no shit like this a day in my life. As this lady was handing out these papers and we're talking about Malcolm X, I hear him lean over to his other white friend and go, Who's Malcolm X? Who's Malcolm X? And y'all know me, I'm loud, proud, I'm black, and I'm I'm loud, and I'm proud, I'm black, and I'm wild. I, before I knew it, my old ass said, you don't know who Malcolm X is? Did he just say he don't know who Malcolm X is? Other white girl, young little girl, timid, don't really know. She just looked at me and, and shook her head. She was also in disbelief, but I don't think she had the, you know, wherewithal or really gave a damn enough to even, even too much engagement. Shit fucked me up. If I could talk to that little white boy today, I'd ask him. Do you know who T. Dot Wu is? Do you know what happened to him? Nigga, little, little, little nigga, little white boy could probably rattle off 13, 14 drill rappers in that crew. All of them got big guns. All of them toting. All of them going after the ops. Bulletproof vests. Got their militia mind state going. He could probably rattle them names off back to back, but he could not. But at that time, he didn't know who Malcolm X was. He didn't know who Malcolm X was. Because Malcolm X and his message is a threat 
to white sensitivity and white legacy. Because at the end of the day, ain't we all just good people? We ain't doing harm to nobody. We're all good people, man. I ain't got no problem with nobody. Okay, people. Then you get drunk and you get around your good buddies and then you telling me about the time you saw your granddaddy. Hmm. My brother, man. R.I.P. to this dude in that neighborhood. I'm not going to say his name just out of respect. But, um, told me, my brother, man, if you ever meet, well, y'all know that nigga from the grown-ass man hip-hop show. Y'all know that nigga. Y'all know Joey Burnham. Joey Burnham, let me tell you something about Joey Burnham. Joey Burnham is one of the best storytellers that you're ever going to meet. See, I get on the mic and I talk shit so I'll spit. That nigga can entertain your ass with some stories. He's a fantastic storyteller. Kid in our neighborhood, little white boy in our neighborhood. Man, he was telling me about he was uh, just, you know, kicking the bobo with them, not doing much. And the little, there were two white boys. One of them was uh, the younger brother of one of our mutual white friends, and the other one was just another white boy, a little white boy in the neighborhood. Little white boy from the neighborhood comes up, and they're having this conversation, and the nigger word pops up. And our mutual friend, his little brother, they, you know, they're about the same age. They they know each other. He's uh, flabbergasted, fiberglassed by the whole thought. He's fiberglassed of what he just heard. He just heard this dude used an N-word. Just heard him say nigga. In defending my little brother, this young man says, hey, you can't say that. He's one of those. So again, we talking about young white sensitivity and old white legacy. Where y'all think that little boy got that joke from? Let me ask you a question. Who's a real threat? Who y'all think is the real threat? Martin Luther King or Pop Smoke? If we're going by the mind state of our culture is their entertainment, who you think is the bigger threat? Both of them dead. Both of them got shot. The only difference is one was shot. Like I said, when you, you're you doing the work, you're doing the work of, of, of 10 white men when, when, when you shoot a nigga. <laughs> they don't even have to do it. They don't even put time into it no more. They just let us shoot ourselves. Think about it. Pop Smoke, who was killed by another black man. Not a threat. It was a nigga with money. He was going to fuck it up some kind of way. And they get the NIL. They Pop Smoke was dead. They dropped another album. Boom. Pocket steal. Somebody getting money off of that damn man. Martin Luther King was talking about uniting poor people. Civil rights. They hired a white man to put a slug in his mug. What story, if you white, what story you want to tell? What story is easy for you to tell? Pop smoke, killed by another black man because that's just the way they are? Or my uncle is the man who shot Martin Luther King. My son. My brother. My cousin. Which one is easier for you to swallow? See, when we're talking about history, we're talking about touchy historical points that make young... They say that it makes young white people feel bad to talk about critical race theory. It makes... First of all, can we talk about critical race theory for just one second? Critical race theory don't even... They don't talk about critical race theory in um, in elementary school. 
in middle schools and high schools. It's a college course. And for that, I grew up in a very, I grew up in Detroit, very Afrocentric. Bro, in my house, in my school, nigga, February was a thing. Something that I have not even seen with my own children, bro. The month of February was a holiday within itself. Kente cloth, black history reports. I'm talking about seven days a week, all damn 30, 28 days of the damn uh, holiday. It was Black History Month. You went to church, you had to do a black history speech. You go to school, you got two, three black history reports, assemblies, programs, all damn month. But these white folks, they feeling bad about it. <laughs> they, they don't want their children. See, the question is, what do they want their children to feel bad about? That's the bigger point. That's why I hate when these conversations get shuffled around and they get turned into these fake left-wing political bullshit-ass conversations. Because when you begin to censor art, such as literature, like they already don't want us telling our stories. They already don't want to hear what we got to say. They already don't want us gaining platforms that we've gained any damn and then they censor the they they sent they put you they, they censor books, Catcher in the Rye and uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. They censor these books in the name of white sensitivity. What you think they're gonna censor next? When the last time you heard a Public Enemy album? When the last time you heard from any conscious rapper? Like I don't mind the bullshit in hip hop, but what about the balance? There used to be a point in the, where there was balance. See, they don't want to hear them stories. They don't want you to hear that shit. Because that shit does not serve their narrative. It serves ours. They don't want us to hear. And I, I, I know I sound like DJ Khaled. Day, 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 day. But see, that's the nature of a corporation. We've already, in hip-hop, we've already been slow-rolled into conglomerization. They know just give them the bag. Because, see, when you come from a place of poverty... All you really want is the bag. So at the end of the day, the bigger question is always going to be if they're trying to censor that, then what have they already, what have they switched around on us? And see, my last point before I get off of this thing is see, they've already, they've already played the switcheroo with us one time. When I say rock and roll, what do you think of? Rock and roll is a black culture. Jazz is a black culture. Blues is a black culture corporations and pop culture played the, the shuffle game with us and now when you think rock and roll you think a white boy when it was black men that were creating this music and when it was black men that were influencing white boys across the seas who and these white boys turned around and got money and became legends and our pioneers barely was able to make a living and barely able to scrape by because that's what happens when you let white sensitivity and, and, and pseudo-politics shuffle the damn board. They switch everything around and the next thing you know, your culture is being traded. Your neighborhood is being traded. Now hood mean ghetto. Now rock mean white. What? My only question before I get off of this microphone is what's next? This has been another episode of the I Hate Rap Fans podcast. Uh, I know this was a deep one. We're going to get back to the bullshit in a minute, man. I'll see y'all on the next one. Till next time. Peace. This 
is a Fourth Coast Media production. Fourth Coast?